Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. And this is Dan Baer's interview with the director for the new documentary film, Ailey, Jamila Wignot. Do you feel as though you had to sacrifice anything to stay in dance? Everything. The Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater is one of the most important contemporary dance companies in the world. People were just, oh my God, they never seen anything like it. Choreographers start with an empty space, a body or two, and we say, carve the space. I love creating something where there was nothing before. I was born in the Depression, 1931. Rural country, tough times. When I was 14, I discovered the theater. And it touched something in me, but there was no bodyguard. Alvin entertained my dreams that a black boy could actually dance. Being able to say through the choreography, I am. It transcends dance. I had my own ideas. Not just to do a step, but to feel something. He was working at a feverish pitch, totally immersed. People say, why is he doing that now? If you're a black anything in this country, people want to put you into a bag. This is what he took up as his crusade. Alvin's protest was on the stage. I want to feel all the anger, the sense of cursing at the outside room. I wanted to do the kind of dance that could be done for the man on the street, the people, that it was part of their culture. And that it was universal. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast, where we are talking with Jamila Wignot, director of the new documentary, Ailey. Jamila, how are you? I am very well and excited to be here and talking with you. Fantastic. I'm very excited to speak with you as well. I quickly have to say that before getting into film, I was a dancer for many years, so this movie was particularly special for me to watch in part because I don't believe there's ever been this kind of documentary project about Alvin Ailey. Yeah, that's Uh, great to hear. Yeah, this is the first one, and he is one of the most important American artists in any discipline. And I was wondering why you think that is, and if that knowledge affected you at all while you were working on making this. 
Um, yes. So the knowledge of his importance was um, looming over us <laughs> <laughs> through the whole of it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, when you set out to make um, a film about another artist, part of the challenge is that your film has to be as good as the art you're going to feature, right? Because you don't want to be kind of in these glorious moments of the art and then the, the film is not sort of doing justice to that. So that I think was, um, you know, something we were cognizant of throughout the making of it. And in terms of his longevity, you know, obviously I think his works get at the core of what it is to be human. Um, I think there is just something in the specificity of the, you know, dances he created um, in, the, in the sense of what people are going through emotionally um, in the fact that it's, it's kind of narrative and therefore pretty accessible, um, you know, that, that are a testament to the company's, you know, continued um, success. Yeah, and that was one of the other things that I found particularly um, resonant and kind of fascinating was this idea that the film is tracing Ailey's personal history through the creation of Rennie Harris's piece for the Ailey Company's 60th anniversary, Lazarus. And I was wondering how you arrived at that idea as a framework for the film. There's so much serendipity um, in the making of this film. And um, when we, uh, when Insignia Films um, and I approached the company to pitch them on the idea of doing a biography, one of the things we said from the outset was that we would, we wanted to have access to the company, to some part of a contemporary um, portrait of the company, because we we understood that Mr. Ailey's legacy lived on beyond him and that there, it wouldn't be a true portrait of him and his vision um, to sort of end with, with his death. And Robert Battle, the um, artistic director said, you know, oh, it's amazing that you're coming to us today because we just commissioned Rennie Harris to do this dance piece for the 60th anniversary that's going to be about, you know, Mr. Ailey's life and times, or that's their hope. And so we said, oh my gosh, well, <laughs> amazing. Let's get access to that. So yeah, it was just kind of an extraordinary um, stroke of, of good timing. That's fantastic. <laughs> what was your personal connection to Ailey or the Ailey Company before making this movie? I, uh, before making this film, uh, was, a, was a fan, uh, you know, of the company. I saw them for the first time um, when I was in college, uh, and it just kind of blew me away and, and set me on a journey of of continuing to see the company perform and I have friends who are dancers. And so um, I was familiar uh, with the company, um, but I'm not a dancer. And, um, <laughs> and I, I wasn't familiar with, you know, the specific details of Mr. Ailey's story. So there was a lot of um, just kind of beautiful discovery for me as well in the making of it. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, there's a lot of his life that. I hadn't heard about before seeing this and in particular you managed to get a lot of never before seen or at the very least long unseen footage of Ailey himself was that stuff that the company had that you got access to or how did you get access to this and what did it feel like watching it for the first time the archive in this film is something that I'm just so um, grateful for that it exists. And, um, you know, that is a testament to the Ailey company having really preserved, um, you know, copies of various dance performances um, and interviews that Mr. Ailey conducted through his life, um, including the audio only interviews that he conducted in the last year of his life um, that became the kind of pillar for us uh, in the making of the film. And, you know, so it was great that we, once we were able to get some materials from the Library of Congress, we could see, you know, what was there. And I think, um, you know, one of the the real gems for me in this is just seeing him in the rehearsal room with his dancers and really speaking, you know, as he as he tells, you know, the woman in the black dress and the Masakela scene, you know, what he's, what he's asking for her to dig into kind of emotionally, that kind of material of having access to him and his work process is great. And then similarly, you know, towards the end of the film, there's just that great moment where he's just telling a joke about, you know, the dancer and what he does with his hair and getting, you know, um, that kind of, um, glimpse into into him those were the kind of beautiful moments of of meeting him as an artist and sort of seeing him as as a man his sense of humor and um you know and his you know he's he's very he's very accessible you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was it we sort of have this idea i think in our culture of these genius artists being sort of inaccessible and somewhat inscrutable but this very much puts the lie to that. He is very, very personable and well, well spoken and and funny at times, as you said, like with with that joke. And he's a great raconteur of the stories of his life. It's it, it's yeah. really it's fantastic to hear him in his own words. Yes, it is wonderful. And I mean the poetry. I just mm-hmm. I think when we started listening to those audio recordings, yeah. you're just like, who talks like this? Who tells stories like this? And you know, I think, um, you know, I think he knows that about, he knew that about himself that, you know, he had a, a way with, with words, but I think he was also somebody who, as Bill T. Jones says, you know, he was in search of poetry in his dance works, but I think he was the kind of person who, who was in search of a poetic way of expressing, you know, what he felt and experienced. And I think that's just like lovely to live in. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, you know, you had all this amazing archive footage. What was your personal biggest discovery while making this film? A, a piece of information or a piece of dance that you hadn't seen or heard before? Um, I think uh, there's a couple. I mean, the the other piece of footage of him in the rehearsal room when he's, you know, 
being very intense and then he lets out that great scream mm. um and you know his frustration at like ah the dancers aren't getting it right it was just like nice to see somebody frustrated in a creative process <laughs> um and then the it, it was a piece of footage that came in um, a little bit late, but it's it's uh, footage. It's that footage of the company on their first State Department tour. So it's 1962, and it's him and Carmen de la Vallad sort of mm. taking in the cultural stuff and just seeing him. You know, he's so young. You really can see his youth in those um, in those images, and so I, I really thought yeah. that was kind of fun. Yeah, uh, especially the stuff with Carmen de la Vallad. That was. It was so fantastic to see her yeah. too in this. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Where's her biography? Right. I know. It's probably it's probably in the works. I hope I, so I, anyway. I hope so. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, the company, the the Ailey company itself was big groundbreaking force in part because it was fully integrated at a time when society was not. That was something that I was a, a little surprised by because we have such, we've built up this idea that the LA company is the African-American dance company and seeing pieces with white and Latino and Asian dancers in it was revelatory for me in a way that I was not expecting. And I was wondering if there were any insights about that particular thing that surprised you while you were filming this? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, it's something I was aware of of the Ailey company, you know, because even if you see them today, it's not a wholly um, Black company. Um, although I, th I agree that I think that is the perception um, of the company. I think it was, you know, I think it reveals something about Mr. Ailey's point of view about, you know, what we all should have access to in terms of storytelling and who gets to embody what kinds of stories. And I think in a way, you know, he has, you know, to, to, to have, you know, a Japanese person dancing in, in revelations is to say that, you know, black life is universal because you are going to dance my story. Um, and, and you have the capacity to embody this experience and in embodying this experience and in people seeing you embody that experience, it's sort of, it's a way of him speaking to the universality of, of life because it's human life, you know, and I think that it can become, you can take that idea for granted. And it's something he says all the time, you know, like I, it's a human story. I want to showcase humanity. We are humans. But, you know, if you think about the time at which he is assembling his company in the late fifties, you know, that is not uh, what people, yeah. what people thought. And so I think creating an integrated company at that time was a way of actually kind of driving home a political point that we, we, we don't necessarily immediately see, but it is a political choice to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that, I mean, for me at least, has sort of gotten lost in his legacy a little bit, that this was the fully integrated dance company going around around the world and representing America. It was the uh, Alvin Ailey American Dance Company. Right, And right. there's something even powerful about that statement, just saying that, you know, like, African-American dance is American dance. Right, right. I mean, we talk about, time. yeah, we talk a lot today about whose stories get centered. It's like a part of our, mm. our common language in the arts, yeah. right? And centering <laughs> the stories and, you know, to think about the fact that not just who he's centering, but even the kind of the aspects of life that he's centering, right? He is centering the kind of everyday um, experiences of, you know, people at a, at a 
getting some relief at a juke joint on a Saturday night and, you know, showing <laughs> up to a, a church, you know, service, you know, on the following Sunday, I think his real, you know, that makes him a modern dancer, obviously, that he cared about the everyday man, which is part of that tradition. But, but, you know, I think he, what he decided was fit for the grand stages of, you know, the United States and then the world, um, you know, speaks volumes to, again, I think his, his political, a kind of political sensibility that he had. Absolutely. You, you've seemingly interviewed everyone for this, <laughs> for this film, um, former dancers and the stage manager for the company and, um, you know, Bilty Jones, who was inspired by him and all these things. Was there anyone that you really wanted to interview, but didn't get the chance to? Oh, yes. There were a couple dancers from that original company. I mean, Carmen DeLavalade was there and actually Don Martin also went on tour with the company in their first tour. But of the original um, dancers that danced in Blue Suite, um, there were a couple that I had hoped to interview. Um, but, um, you know, just age and time, uh, it was not on my side. Um, so mm -hmm. just because I, you know, to think about how they experience the reception of those dance works um, yeah. was just something that that would have been wonderful to hear. Yeah, oh, yeah, that would have been very cool. But you still managed to get an amazing spread after, <laughs> <laughs> from all that time. Um, and we unfortunately are out of time at the moment. But just before we leave, I want to ask you, what was your favorite Ailey piece? Oh, it's cry. Oh. I feel like I'm so biased, but it's cry. <laughs> I, I'm really glad to hear you say that because I obviously I had seen Revelations before and it's always beautiful, but this is my first time seeing that in this film. And wow, Judith Jameson doing cry is incredible. Yeah, and it's a 13-minute piece and we couldn't show the whole thing. So course, if you can yeah. get if you can get a chance to see it, there's uh, Jacqueline Green, I think is the name of the dancer who most often performs it now. So if the company comes to town, um, do try to see it. In fact, I think it's the 50th anniversary of Cry because uh, 71, 21. Yes, it is. So they will be, it will be available to see and it is just phenomenal. Uh, oh my God. So I will definitely be on the lookout. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jamila. Thank you for speaking with us. Congratulations on the film. Um, thank you. Really looking forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Dan Bear's interview with the director for the new documentary film, Ailey, Jamila Wignot, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Ailey is currently playing in theaters courtesy of Neon, and you have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right?